What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Powder and Loam Podcast. I'm your host, Gil. And today, we've got a pretty special treat. I'm with a local legend, a good friend of mine, Mark Winkler, here at the Logan Skate Park. And uh, we've been skating a little bit, and now we're going to talk a little bit about, about snowboards. Um, so, give a little bit of background what I know of Mark. Um, he's been snowboarding a long time, right? Kind of, yeah. Long time. (laughs) And uh, he's, he rides some pretty sweet uh, winter stick boards. He's actually the one that got me set up on my current winter sticks, which are absolutely some of the best boards that I've ever ridden. Those those were pretty cool because you did all the design work. We just had to back and forth on on what you wanted to do. And it would have been one board, but since you you did that cool Japanese flag design, they're like, let's not waste any wood. Let's score them a deal on a second board. Yeah. yeah that was, I was pretty dope. I was pretty stoked on that. So and, instant quiver. Yeah. And they are, they are one of a kind boards and they, they're phenomenal. So let's talk a little bit about, about your background in snowboarding. When did, when did you start snowboarding? I was a ski rat. I was a ski kid. I, I started skiing in New Hampshire uh, the Guilford Outing Club, it was like 50 bucks for the whole family for the whole season. And the moms volunteered at the burger hut and the dads all ran the rope toe or two rope toes. And we rode raked ice cubes. So my dad worked for the forest service. That was good enough until I was six years old. You know, we skied, we skied like crazy. And then uh, he worked for the forest service, helping cut ski trails and doing soils work and he told my mom we're moving to utah and she's like no way (laughs) and then he he told her about alta and showed her pictures and how big the snowpack was and how it's the greatest snow in the world and she's like all right we'll move so i came here when we were six and i think the first place i skied was alta and then right away at brighton and snowbird was brand new that was 72 we had a condo there. So what did you do when you were a little kid? You were skiing at Alta, you were skiing at Snowbird. Well, I was skiing at Alta, and here's these guys ripping down the hill on winter stick round tails. And, you know, I was maybe 10, 11 years old. And uh, those were UFOs, man. Yeah. Back then, that was, I mean, that was like pretty close to the start of winter stick, right? Or Well, I guess they were, what, 66 well, I, I'd say that Wayne Stovkin uh, taught Dimitri how to glass probably 69 or so. Okay. And Dimitri agreed to pay for the patent, you know, if, if he taught him how to, how to actually manufacture the, the first powder surfing vehicles, right? So, I mean, there's a whole lot of history in that that's really interesting. But anyway, I... I was 1972. That's when Dimitri came. That's when I came. That's when we were introduced. It. I'd ride around in a pickup trucks all all summer with, or a Forest Service scout with my dad and go up the ski resort. So, like I went up Snow Basin in a Forest Service vehicle before you know, back those days, bring your kid to work day is not a big deal. After yeah, you know, some guy fell asleep at the wheel and killed his kid. Couldn't do that. Anymore. Yeah. So anyway, riding. At Alta, you know, you 
watch these guys snowboarding. I was like, that's what I want to do. But I was also skateboarding. Skateboarding was huge in 1976. So, man, I was a skateboard kid and a ski kid. And where did you want to go? Well, you wanted to go to the skateboard park. So, man, I remember practicing for like several weeks to get good enough to do a 360 so I could go to Nordic Valley. (laughs) And I got a ride up with my mom and dad and they took me up to this steep snake run and there's a great big huge cement half pipe with the bowl on the side i mean it's still be gnarlier than anything in any skate park in the state of utah now it was gnarly yeah and there's scott estes and mick thuson and brad kundig and uh they're skateboarding and man that's what i wanted to do so i I rode, I went and rented all the pads and dropped in and went right down the steep ass <laughs> snake run and ate shit in the big bowl. I swear I got concussed right then. But those guys, my dad had already had a conversation with them and they were already snowboarding at Nordic Valley. He was already talking about winter sticks with those guys because he, he knew That's all cool. the, the big dogs in the ski industry. He knew all about skiing, but this skate, skateboarding thing was new to him. And then winter sticking was new to him. So he talked to all these guys, you know, they have big old long hair, afros. <laughs> yeah. They're kind of, yeah. you know, they're kind of hippie, hippie dudes back then. Right? Hippie Surfer characters. Guys, right. Well, full on skate and winter stick snowboard rats, man. So, uh, you kind of, you kind of went over something that that's pretty cool. A lot of people don't know this, but you told me that one of, if not the first resort to ever allow a snowboarder on their lift was Alta. Yeah, it's Alta, man. It's Alta. For sure. Which, you know, is, which is funny because, you know, no, I don't think many people would believe that today, but I thought I thought that was super cool. Legend legend of that story is that Dimitri got off the plane and he'd done his research. You know, he's you know, thinking about where to go surf on snow. And he'd been working with Stovekin. They're both from Jersey. That's pretty cool. It's you know, Tom Sims was a Jersey guy, so it's there's an East Coast thing to snowboarding. You got, you know, Jake Burton in Vermont, but you got all three of those guys in Jersey, and Dimitri lived pretty close to Stovekin. So he's on the plane, he comes out to Utah, and he's going to go surf the snow. Well, who's running Snowbird? It's brand-new resort. It's Bill Johnson. Not Bill Johnson. It's it's uh, the Silver Fox, Ted Johnson. Why am I saying Bill Johnson? Because he's a big gold medal skier. <laughs> it's on the tip of my tongue. But Ted Johnson. So, you know, he's like, I got to get in touch with Ted Johnson. He's a big wave surfer, and he runs Snowbird. He's the general manager. So he calls up and tries to make an appointment and kind of gets blown off. And so he he's undeterred. He's going out to Little Cottonwood. He, he gets a ride out there, and then he gets dropped off at the base of the canyon. Somebody's not going all the way up. I don't know what time of the year this is, but this is straight out of Dimitri's mouth at the Marriott Library, right? They had a fundraiser, not a fundraiser. They had a, like a, I don't know, it's the History Maker Award to honor Dimitri, and this was in 2012, November. Okay. So he's telling the story. I think part of it's online, but I don't know if there's a few of my really good friends that were all at the table that we were at listening to this epic speech that Dimitri gave. And he, the, the winter stick guys were all sitting at one table with Jeremy Jensen too, another pal surfer guy. And 
behind us was the place for Alta with all the Alta people, right? All the heavy hitters in the ski industry, the top guys. And uh, he's like, not many of you know this, but the first place that I ever, that snowboarding ever happened on a lift was at Alta. <laughs> so then he told the whole story. So he, anyway, he is not getting anywhere. Ted Johnson sticks out his thumb at the base of Little Cottonwood and Ted Johnson's wife pulls up in a VW Bug. <laughs> it gives him a ride. He gets his he gets his uh you know chance to meet Ted Johnson and talk to him. And Ted's like, well, I just don't know if you can ride at my resort. Like they kind of give him the no go. Yeah. You know, even though he's you know talked to him. And he goes, why don't you talk to Chick Morton up at Alta? Chick was the guy behind Alta Lifts, and okay. And he goes up and talks to him. He says, well, I don't know. Let's is it safe? <laughs> and he says. <laughs> He says, you're going to have to talk to my ski patrol, head of ski patrol. And the guy says, can you stop? He, he just says, I've never even ridden this thing in his head. And he, <laughs> he goes, well, yeah, for sure. And this was at the time when snowboards didn't have metal edges. They didn't, I mean, the binding is a very loose term for what. And he may not have even had a binding. I mean. He, could have been straight pow surf. Yeah, could have been pow surf at the time. Very, very minimal binding. You know, I mean, and if you've ever ridden a pow surf, those things on anything but at least six inches of soft snow are just terrifying. Well, we're at Alta here, so <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Dimitri gets off the chairlift and he hikes up, and the lifty's obviously excited. And says, "Hey, it snowed overnight. You know, there's at least a foot and a half of me. Why don't you hike up there?" And, <laughs> I mean, I'm repeating the master's words, but he he went down and made some turns and then he fell and made some turns made some turns. but that moment that birthed an industry birthed you know like the lifestyle that we're all hooked yeah, on because yeah. it's it's the closest thing to crack i know i mean it's yeah, right. and i don't know what crack is but geez it's as addicting as i know is riding powder in utah on a cool snowboard and turned out to almost be as expensive for a lot of us oh yeah <laughs> but and and to give a little background, Dimitri is the founder of Winter Stick Snowboards and really considered the godfather of, of snowboarding, or at least powder riding. Yeah, and I can't speak for Dimitri. I mean, this whole thing can't be about that. But I, I was late to the game. I mean, my, my dad listened to Mick and Brad and Scott, all my heroes. I later skated with them at Rocky Mountain Surf, which was the big hangout for all the Winter Stickers. So Chris Gochner. Troy Lindquist, like Barney Gochner, Andy Brewer, of course, some regard him as one of the most radical, yeah. best early snowboarders that there ever yeah. was. I mean, he's the punk rock prodigy party animal snowboarder that And that was a that Utah's skate best, park, right? You've posted photos of that skate park and it looks it looks like a snowboarder skate park. It just looks super flowy and and fun and And it, kinky and it's sad that it's had no rad hips and you know, all we'd have to do is probably get enough people to go dig it up and just jump the fence. But, you know, look at all the stuff that we can skate now. But, yeah, it's still my favorite skate park because I had all those friendships, yeah. you know, yeah. all those people that ripped it. I could go on a list forever, and I'm still snowboarding with those guys. Alan Johnson, I met That's him cool. when I was 12, and he's, you know, he's got one of the raddest quivers of winter sticks you ever saw in your life. Got a 183 winter stick swallowtail. 
new shape last winter his wife's got a beautiful one man those boards rip they're ripping and they're super happy and yeah they all grew up hiking and riding on those boards in the early early days and, and i didn't man i didn't yeah. so what was your first snowboard i went down to state hardware in salt lake and it was right next to wolf's it was kind of down the street from the federal building where my old man worked and it was marble sidewalks everywhere so if you didn't go to the skate park on sunday you threw 40 cents down to go to salt lake city on a sunday and skate around right okay but you know we go check out state hardware it later became petterson's right all the snowboard games in the world they changed the name to their family name petterson the early guy was the owner and it was mostly a hardware store but skateboarding was blowing up and there was a gal in there that was on the trend and she was always building skateboards and and man that was like that was the place to go so you know i had multiple skateboards before then and i was ready to go buy a new fat 10 inch wide deck this was probably 1981 in the spring there's two winter sticks in there and there's a swallowtail for 225 and roundtail for 175 and let me tell you 175 or 225 a skateboard was under 100 bucks so that was like yeah how many how many papers do i gotta deliver how much lawns do i have to mow it's out of my league but there was a a warped wood kind of beat looking well it was a burton back hill i got it for 40 bucks i never saw anybody who had one before me anyway that's what i Okay. I didn't get the cool guy winter stick, but I didn't have a rope either. You know, those old winter stick guys would yell at the the kooks on Burton's and say (laughs) ropes are for dopes. So when did you get your first winter stick? 1985, 86 season. And which one was it? I got a mint green swallowtail, no edges. And it had fabric fabric bindings, cordura bindings. They were called softies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean... I rode up the chair and I was selling skis at the time. So I had some nice canisles, some cool red stars, maybe two Oh threes. And I was ripping big, long GS turns and skiing a lot of pow. I love pow. I was getting pro form on skis and boot fitting people every single day. And I was doing a little ski instructing for the university of Utah every Tuesday and Thursday up at Brighton. And I see this dude windshield wipering down the hill. And he's on a Burton Performer, which was an upgrade yeah. for my back hill, right? <laughs> yep, yep. That, that board was like a water ski binding with a rubber band in the back. <laughs> yeah. And this guy had the big red tall bindings. And uh, he had a blue wetsuit on and big red hair. I, I booked it to get on the chair with him and ask him if he could ride a snowboard. And I said, what do you got to do? He's like, you can ride. You just got to get certified. I'm like, certified? What's that? He's like, it's like a driver's license. <laughs> I'm like, a driver's license? I'm like, what do you got to do? He goes, you got to turn left, turn right, get on and off the chair safely, and then show that you can stop and be in control. I'm like, oh, all right, I can do that. I'll figure that out. And I go, who do I talk to? He goes, me. <laughs> and that was Dennis from Salty Peaks. I mean, Dennis was instrumental in, in getting snowboarding started at a lot of the places. The famous Dennis. Dennis, yeah. Dennis, who's, you know, a board gear vacuum. and He's got one of the coolest board collections in the world, I think. 
Yeah, he's right. got a lot of boards that nobody's seen up hidden too. So yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's done some cool stuff. Tallest waves, man. That's a cool flick. You know, one of my favorites. And yeah. shredding vacation from hell. I can go back and rewind it and laugh all day. <laughs> you know. So then, after all that, when did you start riding at Powmow Powder Mountain? Same year, man. So I. I would go and do a lesson and ski my ass off. We'd all have a big Chinese downhill with all the all the instructors, and then we'd all go to our cars and go get our boards and and ride Brighton. But that same season, I had a pass at Park West, which was a hundred bucks. And Pow Mau, it was kind of like I don't know. That was already you went up to Pow Mau and and shit. Like Brighton was still mostly skiers, and Park West was still mostly. Skiers, we were stoked that we were able to do it. We went to Palm Mountain. I was like surfing safari. Dudes were way advanced and already ripping. And wow. it was way sick to pull in the parking lot and see that many cats riding boards. You know, it was it was a big Sims mecca. It was gotcha. it was really cool. Gotcha. So, and was this because Sims is kind of credited with the first like actual like hard bindings, right? Um, kind of. Yeah, Jeff Grell. I met him up at um, Jackson for the powwow. That was really like lifelong awesome thing. I didn't expect to happen, and it happened. And I met Michael Trotman and Jeff Grell, and talked to those guys, and it was really sick the way that he did it because Jeff Grell won the first half pipe contest, right? Okay. And so how did he win? He cut up a pair of Lang Banshee ski boots. And he hacksawed those babies, so he just had the buckle over the toe and a buckle over your instep, and then he had the high back in back. And then he said, yeah, and then I pulled my pants over him and I hit him. So nobody <laughs> else knew what I had. And he could do frontside turns, which is shit. That's the sickest, right? On a hard pack kind of thing. Like, yeah. if you're not riding Utah Pow, you know, a heel side turn on, on Utah Pow is like, oh, you're in 6% density fluff, and it's... yeah. It's up to my, you know, dick deep, right? And it's, <laughs> it's, that's not that hard to imagine. But if you really want to power a turn, yeah, kind of having hide packs would yeah. be cool. So he did it. I mean, later people, of course, the Vargas guys and, you know, everybody that's ever been, anybody has pulled off a pair of high box and, yeah. you know, and ridden without them. And then they got a little surfy feel, but yeah. Back binding that changed the world, man. So, while we're on the topic of bindings, I think that Wink is probably the only person that I personally know who still rides hard boots. So, when did you get into hard boots? Why, why do you still ride them? I rode next to nothing for bindings on that old Burton, you know, it was just like going along. And then we rode winter sticks with softies. And then I rode stovetops, which were the craziest invention. Dimitri called them the spider binding. It was going to revolutionize everything. And that you just wrapped around your old Sorel. And I could, could ride the shit out of them. But once you did, you know, a whole run, you'd be like locked into this weird forward <laughs> angle thing that you couldn't get the damn binding off. Well, you know, then they had GNU bindings and GNU bindings were like, they were thick. They were, you know, like double flap over, tons of support. But you'd ride down the hill and you couldn't get the sons of bitches off. You'd be pounding. You know? Kids would come back to the shop I worked at and they'd be like, how do I get these off? These suck. And 
So there's a big recall and they redid them all. But those were hard bindings to deal with. And I, I rode softies and so did a lot of guys because you could move your feet, you could roam around. And I was used to that. And then, you know, decades later, of course, I we all adapted into new boots, snowboard boots, actual snowboard boots. Yeah. I was riding a Kemper snowboard boot instead of Sorrell's with ski boot liners because that's what we did. I had Nordica liners, took them right out of my ski boot. That was almost right away. Like I rode, I don't know, probably flannel in my Sorrell's for the first seven or eight years. And that was just hiking in the background of Bountiful, Utah and going to schoolyards and stuff like that. No, gotcha. no resort riding. Well, you know, we rode, we rode winter sticks with those primitive bindings. They were super dope in pow and they were super lightweight. And you saw Andy on a pair of those, man, the, nobody could flex harder, super sick, like cross rockets. And yeah, I mean, he'd get way tweaked, but you were basically pow surfing with your toe and heel an inch, two inches off the ground and moving mm-hmm. your feet everywhere. So anyway, I ran into Mark box up here. He's, a guy who's older than me, he's 60 years old, just recently graduated from school and sculpting at USU, Utah State University, works at the liquor store, worked there forever. Anyway, he and I became friends because we knew each other from the skate park and from those early days. And mm-hmm. I saw him up here in Logan and we started riding together, me and my son, him and his son. And we just we were addicted to going Saturdays and yeah. being the first ones up there. And whether it was fresh groom or it was fresh power, we were going to ride it. And even then I was just riding old junkers with camper liners and just Sorrells and never had a dedicated snowboard boot. And I had some bindings, but I kind of looked to him for gear and, uh, he was riding hard boots and then he, he, uh, let me try a set. And I, I actually, what I first did was I wrote a, Rosignol Alpine board with regular bindings and and soft boots, right? Okay. And that board was like kind of like driving a Ferrari compared to what I've been <laughs> yeah. riding. Like, it turned like a son of a bitch. I'm like, oh, I know why you like, you know, digging these trenches. I'm like, I don't know what digging trenches is. And uh, then he turned me on to, you know, Burton plates and really soft boots right these nordica sbh boots and i I, it was kind of like i had a little more precision and i was like man those guys i remember damien and those guys came to town and seeing guys on hard boots and they they rode those coflac boots and they were hard and i remember chris nielsen riding them mini shred from our park and man, he was so pissed on one run. He just was like, I'm taking these sons of bitches off. I'm done with these. These suck shit. Cause he couldn't move his feet around and he couldn't yeah. flex his feet, but they were, they were mountaineering boots and they were, they were super precise. But anyway, Mark just had lunch with me the other day and he started telling me the story. He goes, how do you, do you remember how we got those boots? And I go, no, I don't have a clue. He goes, the sportsman rented a, they bought a whole ton of them for the rental fleet. And they bought all these boots and bindings. They bought a whole fleet, the whole size run. Nobody ran them. Of snowboards? Snowboard boots and bindings. They, of course, have boards, but nobody wanted to ride those damn hard boots. They're shit, right? And, and what, what year was this? I don't even know, man. Like, I, We'd have to ask Mark. I don't know if it's 90s or 2000s early, but okay. my boots are super old and they're just... 
They're flexy as hell. Your boots are probably pretty close to soft boots now. They always were. They were always soft. (laughs) They're pretty precise mountaineering. I mean, they got Volk, Volk, uh, what are those? Vulcan soles, vulcanized um, Vibram soles, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, so they're stiff, side, you know, heel to toe, but lots of flex side to side. And there's lots of slop in the Burton race plates I run. But, But anyway, the reason why I got those boots because they all got dumped at the DI, and Mark oh, really? like scored a, a a bunch of them in that size round. He's been kind enough to to kind of hook me up, and he just recently said he wants a pair, and I, I know where there's another pair that somebody's not using, and I might kind of try and score them. I don't want to promise anything I can't deliver, but I'm gonna try. And then I got a pair from my buddy Max at Mountain Local Snowboards. He had a pair of new old stock ones. Okay. And he shipped them to me and he did, he flowed them to me for a hundred bucks. And that was like, Oh, now I can ride for the next 20 years. I'm yeah. super stoked because <laughs> they're super loose side to side, but stiff heel, heel toe. And they are just, I don't know. They're kind of magic. I don't know what the deal is, but like you look at the new phantom binding and the new phantom split board boot. Uh-huh. And it's the same damn concept, but yeah. with a better toe, right? The toe that you can engage on a splitty and yeah. use like a DinaFit interface. And that's super light and you can ski with it on the uphill. And if you have to lock down and ski on it on the way down, which is yeah. pretty cool. And then and then you've got all this side to side flexes, which is what everybody's wanting. Well, they did it with two buckles and I did it with three buckles on this other one. and. You know, I I can either engage the the ski mode so it has more forward lean, or I can engage the walk mode. So front foot's definitely ski mode, more angle. Okay. And back foot's definitely relaxed. Gotcha. And they just kind of became the go-to for me. And I've ridden Adidas modern boots, and I've ridden some nice bindings. And it feels the same. It feels the same yeah. if it's a pow day. But on gotcha. a hard pack. I just have way more confidence going fast as shit. Because I know that that your son, Logan, really loves, like, he likes his board boots to feel like skate shoes. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't even snowboard that much. I mean, he's a skateboard punk. A good skateboard punk. Yeah, he loves skateboarding (laughs) way more. Snowboarding's not hard, but, you know, that's just me and him just razzing each other. But I don't know. I love skateboarding. I love it more than life itself right like if i don't skate in the summer spring fall i'm jones and skateboarding came first right yeah and then snowboarding was just a gas but the way i do it's pretty easy you know i just ride power go fast i'm not yeah never was a big trick guy just like to go fast and ride with different people different friends yeah definitely so uh well we're kind of on the topic of of skateboarding I want to at least do a quick tribute because we are on the Billy bench. Um, you want to give a quick tribute to to Billy and the reason that that this bench is here? Yeah, Billy's sick, man. We're on on Billy's bench. It's, it says in loving memory, Billy Ryan, three nineteen seventy seven two twenty four twenty nineteen. We'll never forget someone who gave us so much to remember. I mean, Billy was a legend at this park. They've got a little sign over there at the skate park. And it, you you drop in over here off the white quarter pipe, roll by the the um, rail, pump through 
hit the spine bowl, and then old Billy would just grab a big old melon. Is that land, Olson? <laughs> I want to skate with you. Right on, brother. I'm I'm here. We're doing a po- podcast. How long have I known you? Twenty. Yeah. How old are you now? Twenty-seven. I knew this kid when he was twelve years old. So anyway, so you where's the Billy Gap? It's right there, right? The Billy Gap is right there. So Billy could do the gap better than anybody. Just do a melon to fake you over it, and it was sick as shit, right? Yeah, so there's there's a sign with the Billy Gap, and Billy was here all the time. And I mean, I can't say, but he probably had a couple beers before he got here, and then he'd rip the shit out of this place, and he'd razz you for whatever you were wearing. <laughs> he'd tease you, you know. He'd throw a little shade, but it was always in good fun, and he always had a big grin on his face. He'd be wearing a pink cut off Burt shirt, <laughs> yeah, and uh, big old DC puffy shoes, and. He was a, you know, hockey playing, skateboarding, snowboarding, softball, slugging, awesome guy. And he was always good to the kids. He was always good to my kid. Like there were a lot of older guys and sometimes they were like pushing the younger kids. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure some tears have flowed. I, I'm probably the harshest dude at the skate park, but it's over litter and whether I have to deal with scooter kids, you know, but Billy was always sick to the kids, including my own. He always talked to me about my son and super important guy, but we lost Billy to, you know, I don't know. I mean, damn, it's been a year and a half, you know, and yeah. it's like yesterday he was here. I can hear his voice. I, I can see him do the lines. He He's just a phenomenal skateboarder, just incredible human and a lot of people knew him around the valley, but everybody knew him at the skate park. He was at every contest. Yeah. He and I would bet beers who's going to do the first hand plant in the big bowl. And I'd get a fake beer at the time, and he'd get a real beer. Well, <laughs> shit. Neither of us could do the damn hand plant, but we were reliving our glory days, you know, and skating with the kids. It was always a good time here. So, well, yeah, we're sitting on the billy bench. Sweet. Well, uh,. Should we take a skate break for a sec and then we'll come back? Yeah, hell yeah. Okay, let's yeah. do it. All right, thanks. <laughs> 